Hey guys, this is your Aunties Could Never, the podcast where you get to hear from your favourite aunties who have all the real talk with our thoughts on what's going on in the world. We'll be reminiscing about what it was like back in our day and most importantly, we'll be helping you sort out your daily dilemmas with advice only your coolest auntie could give. I'm Auntie AK and I'm here with... Auntie Farah. Auntie Nana. Auntie Sade. And Auntie Sarita. Okay, so we're about to get into what's going on in the world. What have, you, what have you heard, aunties? Well, I was on Amazon the other day and I saw, before you could even get to their shopping screens, they had a little note on there that said that they were partnering with the government along with a couple of other retailers and some medical people um, to roll out some corona testing. So that kind of led me into my next thought based on something that was on the news. They keep talking about the strategy, the strategy, stay at home, stay at home. But what is their exit strategy? Like, do you think that Amazon are going to partner up with all these other people and they're going to go around door to door? How are they going to do it? Because they have to make sure that people are corona free in order for us to get to some sense of normality again. I'm not sure about buying a test from Amazon because that's a little bit it seems like I, I can buy a pair of shoes, some sellotape and a health test. All I'm thinking is I wouldn't want to take a test because I really don't trust the test. And say if you take the test and it comes up positive, does that mean that your quarantine stay is longer even if you had no symptoms? And can you really trust the test? Because I swear... I read somewhere that there were some tests that were going out and the tests were faulty in themselves. Like they already had a bit of corona in the test that you were taking. Yeah, and that was on msn.com as well. So it weren't even one of my dodgy sites that I go to. It was <laughs> standard one. So yeah, I, I wouldn't take a test and I'm not taking a vaccine. But I will, yeah. once they let everybody out, I'm going to be out as well. So you wouldn't take a vaccine? If no. there's a vaccine that rolled out next year, you wouldn't take it? Are you an anti-vaxxer? I'm not necessarily anti-vaccine as a blanket statement, but I definitely, at this point, with it being a worldwide thing, I would not take a vaccine because I think it's too convenient for any type of agenda that could be out there to just have people en masse herded in to give you something. I think I would take the test because I think this test that they're doing first of all is to determine whether you've had the virus or not. So that will determine whether you can go back to work or not. So I think it's important to be able to go back to work and be safe. So I would take the test. But in terms of the vaccine, it's going to be like Apple 6 versus Apple 6S. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm waiting for the S version. Everybody else can go <laughs> take the vaccine first. And then I will take it afterwards. Do you know what I mean? To see if there's any side effects. Everyone's going to have to be the guinea pig for me. I'm not doing it. There's a meme that I, I saw where someone had, was laying on bed with all that outfit put to the side or next to them on their bed. Like, this is me um, day before we're all allowed back outside. And I sent it to a friend and she said, yeah, I'm not, that's not going to be me because I'm going to let everybody else try it outside first. <laughs> and then I'll come back to it. So I, I'm the same. I don't... The thing about taking the test, though, it's if it's about whether or not you've had it, so... I think there's two strains of it. So there's one that's going to... is about antibodies. Obviously, don't quote me. I'm not like a doctor. But there's one that's going to be able to... Especially for those people who could be potentially super spreaders, so the people that don't have any symptoms but have it, they're the ones that also need to stay at home because they can infect other people. But then it's um, it's going to be able to say whether you've had it before. So if you are one of those people who had mild symptoms, maybe in December, January, do you know what I mean? They'll be able to tell you whether you've had it. And if you've had it, it's very, very unlikely. I think it's like 98% um, chance to get it again, apparently. So 
so in, on the back of that, then I would be nervous taking the test and worrying about the results. Because if you take the test and it says that you've got it, so that means it's like a waiting game to see how deeply it's going to manifest. And that's going to be stressful in itself. So people doing that at home, for the people who are extreme panic, panickers or have in mental health insecurity, is there support for either result? It's like waiting for an HIV test at the end of the day. Even when you know you haven't been reckless, but things happen and you take that test, waiting for those results is mad stressful. So I'd be scared to take it. I, would, I guess I'd take it. I don't know about ordering it from Amazon. It seems a little bit um, to convey a belt line, but, and I definitely wouldn't take the vaccine. Not in it. I'm with Nana trying to plug stuff in my brain. I was going to ask him if you've had it, do you get it again? I'm with you guys. I don't think I would take the vaccine because there's a lot of unknowns at the moment and I'm not about to just go and give my arm out and say, yeah, hit me. <laughs> but it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, and with the test, I hear your point of query about um, people being nervous, but there are a lot of people that are at home nervous now thinking they've mm. got it based on going online and checking stuff. So I think I'd probably take the test to see if I had had it or not. Because the other thing that was on the news that was quite important was what other countries are doing post their peak so in china they've implemented like a traffic light system for people that can go out and where you can go out and the level of invasion on people's privacy is quite deep they've got drones and stuff following you and saying you are in a corona area or move go home so i'm a bit skeptical about what the government can and can't do in these times and the laws that they pass actually how soon do you get the results that's one thing and in regards to going forward that's the confused thing is how will they stagger it out because they both they're saying by all means there's going to be a second wave and um, whether it's going to be as intense we don't know but essentially we're going to be having coronavirus cases if they're saying the right thing to the end of the year at the very least so that traffic light system sounds crazy the evasion of privacy so that law that the police can have you up with impunity i'm not happy i'm sort of another reason why i'm going to test as well because I want to go to Afro Nation. I'm still holding on to that. So I need to make sure that I'm 100% clear to go. And I will take my test with me at the airport. These types of things, it does bring up the whole conspiracy theory about like mass vaccinations and controlling populations and all those, those kind of things, really. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's like... <laughs> We know that they do vaccinate people and have given them diseases in the the past that we have parents that were alive. So this isn't even like, okay, it was 100 years ago. It was 100 years ago and 50 years ago, and they're probably still doing it to people now. So I wouldn't even go for iPhone 6S. I'm like iPhone 11. Like that needs to be years of me being able to see it's okay before I would be like okay it's okay for me to have a vaccination i am in full agreement you know remember on the first episode i said there's a certain will Bates that i don't agree with <laughs> and his time in africa i don't know what he was doing out there but i don't trust those certain people were doing certain things in africa for a certain amount of time only now they're resigning let's just question the backstory man i'm not interested sorry to sound like a tin foil hat person but Mate, Tuskegee in the Henrietta Lacks. Black yeah. people don't fare well when they come to these things, man. They've done so much to us as well because we're a strong, resilient race. Nah, I'm not going to be no one's guinea pig, mate. We'll, we shall see. All right, so something that is it's kind of not in the news, but is in like people news. It's what to do with your hair now that you can't go to the hairdressers or the barbers and 
obviously like they've closed hair shops so just throwing it out to everybody else what they're doing to keep their hair looking nice and fresh but also i think there's an unjust element in the fact that boots um and super drugs are open and they don't really stock black hair products but all of the black hair shops that sometimes do have some medicinal things in them they are closed what does everybody think about that i am 100 percent with you because you're right nine times out of ten you cannot get black hair products in those conventional shops that you've mentioned i was talking to my brother about this because he's all about his hair as well and he's like he he did a whole post about it himself because he's like so what am i meant to do now where am i meant to get my products and i took my hair out yesterday and i thought i had an abundance of products at home and i don't i was like oh this is going to be interesting. You know, it's fine. I can tie my hair up. I, I do feel like those shops should also be open. As an essential, it is an essential thing for a black person to be able to buy the stuff that they need to buy in order to do their hair. So why are they not open? It's not fair. You can get things on Amazon. Again, it's like I work for them or sponsored by them. Amazon. But, um, <laughs> but they're a lot more expensive and they don't have everything you need. And you don't have the freedom of like running and getting it quickly because you have to wait for it to be delivered if it gets delivered. I'm slightly maddened because we need products as well. I've done my hair. Um, I need a top up of extensions to fix my plaques and stuff like that. I was actually surprised because I went on my uh, grocery run yesterday and w- went past my shop. I was like, oh my gosh, it's actually closed because it was open just before final lockdown. I just assumed that all the hair shops would, be, would stay open. But I think this is the same country that we don't even up till now have a cream advert for ourselves or we don't have a hair advert for our products or anything on, t- on UK TV. So I shouldn't be surprised, but I definitely think it's discriminatory. I don't know if anyone's actually raised that point because the shopkeepers aren't usually of our heritage. They will be arguing it from a business point but if it was a black owned hair shop they would give a better cultural argument which leads into the fact that we need more black owned hair businesses as well definitely things like that are they able to give that compelling argument and actually our customers our clientele really need these services we provide products that they can't get anywhere else apart from maybe a few bog standards at the boots and the super drugs I feel like definitely you can get some stuff and definitely online is an option as well kind of thing there's places like hair pots that kind of deal with black only black owned hair products so there are places out there you can get them I just think that it's just actually a real opportunity those business owners don't represent us at all this is the time to take the opportunity to build something thing and build that clientele and like try and do something in this time while we have it and move away from those shops in the first place anyway you know they're not there for us they don't pump the money back into the community or anything like that and we you know we're one of the biggest markets out there when it comes to hair care so we've got to stop being loyal or, or actually not even loyal it's just a habit of shopping there really truly. that's what we've got to do and then also as well I've got a point around barbers my brother's suffering right now do you know what I mean he needs a he needs a shape up friend's boyfriend like do you know what I mean like he was cutting his own hair the other day I think if you can do hair 
or someone in your house can do hair, you're going to be fine. But it does remind me that those are the cultural skills that actually need to be passed down within our community. All the women in my family can do hair, do you know what I mean? So it's not a problem. But I've come across so many young women who actually can't do hair. They haven't sat down and learned or it hasn't been part of their upbringing. So that's what's highlighted to me, really. You made some real good points there. Like I saw a couple of pictures where there was a guy and he was trying to shave his hair and he did a fade and then it was like wrong on one side so he kept going lower and lower and lower and lower and lower and then he ended up with a bald head <laughs> it was just like it was so funny but yeah I, I totally agree with you now's an opportunity to maybe do stuff because I can't stand when I go into a hair shop I ask for something and they say oh no we don't have that but you can use this this is just as good it makes your hair really good how do you know bruv you ain't got my hair you know what I mean like I also think it's a good time for people who have struggled to show themselves in their natural state to make peace with that and find out maybe do you mean step away from the creamy crack step away from the creamy crack step away from the the hair hats and all those type of things I mean it's not it's not a criticism of anybody because we I'm wearing extensions as I speak however it's for those who are really stuck with wearing those things they feel that they're not beautiful enough or they can't step out without fake hair in some way shape or form um, this is a time to get in touch with your natural roots and really look at yourself. And Also, I was going to just say, like, my team, who, my team is all black, all black female, is actually so refreshing to actually go on calls and, like, not have to do your hair. I can wear my bonnet, like, people can just have their prison braids, like, it's not a big deal, it just doesn't mean anything, it cuts out hours in the morning, it's great. Why they got to be called prison braids? <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I mean, that's what people call them. Yeah, I've been calling them missilies. <laughs> I've got my missili braids underneath my scarf, trust me. I have been selling lots more head wraps since this has all taken place. So for all you girls out there, if you are unable to do your hair and you're waiting to get to the hairdressers, in the meantime, you can go to www.loveyaya.com. I have over 70 different head wraps on there. You got some good stuff. I've got a few of your bits. And I also like the fact that you do tutorials as well. Like You can find it for your content. So for all you guys that don't know how to wrap your hair and need to learn how to wrap your hair, love Yaya. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see the whole hair being a necessity. If I have to not do my hair and not dye, that cool with me to be honest <laughs> to be fair i can do my hair myself um i've always done my hair myself because i'm tight i don't like spending money for braids or anything else i personally foresaw the future in my crystal ball knew we were going to go on lockdown so i was like i can't bother to do my hair every day so i ordered loads of braids so i'm i'm good if you can't do your hair two kangro or two doo plaques like everyone calls it or prison braids and just wrap your hair up Love Yaya, wraps, hair wraps. You don't need to open and try and kill people in your way to then get grease. <laughs> Plus, it's like this, this braiding hair, I think the longest time I've had braids, there were twists actually, I had them for six months and it was the same hair. Wow. I just took it out, washed it a bit if it needed to be washed and just put it back in. It's no biggie, we can do this. We'll end up looking like Michonne from um, Walking Dead, <laughs> possibly the really terrible wigs that they have maybe that's what our hair will look like they they knew all this time we were cussing that the wigs are really terrible but maybe they knew <laughs> okay next story so this is a story to be fair i don't know if it's 
so current, but I saw it on YouTube recently. Okay, and it's not it's not it's not such a happy story. But I wondered if you guys have heard of this. So basically, this young girl went on a holiday to Barcelona, and she met all these guys and stuff, kind of thing. Started having a holiday romance. She comes back to England, um, and he's talking to this guy. And, you know, he's having conversations with her every night and sending messages, all that kind of stuff. And her mum is also, you know, hearing the messages and saying, oh, send my love and all that kind of stuff. And he's going back and forth with family and whatever. Then he invites her over to Amsterdam, where he lives. She gets to the airport. She's gone by herself and she's trying to contact him and he's not responding. And she's quite young and she finds out that she's she's been blocked by this guy. So she's like, what the hell? So she doesn't tell her mum at this point. She calls her cousin. Her cousin told her, don't worry, go to the hotel, sort yourself out and then come back home. But then at the same time, she's calling the rest of the people that was there, you know, when they met and everything like that. He finally gets back to her and he says, this has all been a joke, you've been picked. So she goes home, and this was the clip from this morning, and her and her mum were, you know, obviously very, very distraught. The girl's like, feels humiliated. He's come out and said a statement and said, first of all, he was saying it didn't happen. Then he was saying, oh, it did happen, but it was a one night stand and she's infatuated me, et cetera, et cetera. And then now he's trying to say, if anything comes his way, that she's liable. So I just wondered, Seeing that, it's a horrible, horrible thing to happen. And Holly and Philip tried to console her and stuff. And it was it was quite heartbreaking to watch. And then her mum was there on the interview with her. And I just wondered, like, if you had a daughter, some of you do have daughters, and something like this happened to them, how would you deal with it? First of all, that sounds like a dilemma. That would have been a good dilemma. Well, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Going Two forward, for that's slightly dilemma. <laughs> I was just going to say, I know what story you're talking about. And I was mortified when I read it because it's kind of like the modern day version of, you know, when um, you're out and the guys take one for the team, it's kind of that, but it was never documented because we didn't have social media. So if you go to the extent of actually making someone pay money to go abroad to meet you, to have a little Mm. romance, a little jaunt or whatever, it's evil. Boys are evil. But if I had a daughter, I don't know. I don't think I'd go on the news about it and all that. Um, I'd probably try and hunt him down myself. I'd probably go as far as to go on LinkedIn and then tell his company about his business. I'm one of them. I wouldn't okay. go on the television because I feel like what I would do to this boy, there needs to be no documentation of it, you know, because <laughs> I would get him in the most, anyway, vindictive possible way going I would I know that's not a nice thing to say but if you messed with my daughter like that my child like that my response would be to do something to you as humiliating that's what I'd want to do I'd really want to beat him up but you know got to not promote violence so I'd have to think of another spicy way to get him part of me is going to be the African mum and be like hold on so who told you first of all um (laughs) but her mum knew her Did her mum know that she was going to meet the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her okay. mum knew. Her mum knew. How long was this like back and forth? That was one of my issues. Why is he not coming to see you? Like, if he's interested in you, he should come and see you. I mean, she said, you know, he couldn't come to her till October, so she had an opportunity, so she went. And her mum was cool with that. I mean, they're not African or... Um, you know, like Caribbean. <laughs> um, they're not. <laughs> okay, they're not black. <laughs> I was just shocked that her mum kind of let her go. To be honest, I mean, 
I guess because this is where, again, as a well, black mum, it's not happening. You're talking to some guy, they met on holiday, and then, yeah, nah, it's not for me because I haven't met him either. We're going to Amsterdam to another country to meet some guy I haven't met. Nope, sorry, not happening. She, it could never happen. And like Farah, you do something like that. I want to find a way to bun you. As a black parent, to then go on to this morning, sit on the couch with um, Phil and Holly, to then be crying about this situation, to who, again, like before, me getting eaten by a tiger, no one will care. <laughs> then my black community will look at me like, look at this fool and embarrassment to the race. No, nah, man, it's a responsibility we've got to uphold. Not having it, it's not happening. Um, yeah. End of story for me. <laughs> Yeah, my kid's not going nowhere. So you're not meeting to go and meet who and do what? No, you're not getting on no plane. <laughs> but really, you can't stop a 19-year-old from going somewhere. Like when I was 19... Not legally. I could go. I went to Tenerife. My mum couldn't have been like, oh, you can't... Well, she could say you can't go, but it was my own money. So I would go. This is the point. Of course, 19, they're adults. However, it depends on the relationship with your child. I know my child, she, she does seek my consult. If she was to go, that is where the line is drawn. And that's when I'd be like, who told <laughs> you? And then you'd be on the couch with Phil and Holly on your own. I'm not coming to embarrass myself. I'm not coming to cry with you and support you. That's your business. Nobody told you. I will give you warning before you leave. And usually when mothers warn, that one is a curse as well. So that's it. <laughs> I'm with you, but to play devil, devil's advocate, okay, she's 19. Different cultures, whatever. I personally wouldn't go. My kid don't go in anywhere. If it was my son that did this, he'd be in trouble regardless of what age he was. Why didn't the mum go with her? A friend go with her? Make it into a holiday. And if she sees him, she sees him. But that's not her priority. That's no? true. That's true. But you, still, you know, I'm no child of mine. I don't care how old you are. Do you pay bills? Do you live on your own? I left home at 17, so I could do what I want at 19, right? But if you're living with me, you know, you have to listen to what I'm saying to a certain degree. You can't get on a plane and be living here to go and see some <laughs> random dude. That's not happening. And if you don't listen to me, you have a lot of uncles and a lot of aunties who will line up to tell you about yourself. So crack on, innit? Let's see how far you get. Can I just say my goddaughter just got a futuristic warning from her mum. <laughs> literally started talking to the child already. She hasn't, she's only seven, right? Allow it. Yeah. If this happened to me, I would never tell anyone. I'd be mortified in silence. Yeah. Like, I would pretend to my friends, oh yeah, we met up. I didn't really like him. Da, 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 da. I'm not telling anyone to be embarrassed, let alone on TV. Keep this shit to myself. It yeah. never happens. But don't you think, though, I think she is kind of brave to actually come out and say that it happened to her because it's really humiliating, right? And, like, guys should not be acting like that. They should not be doing that to young girls. They shouldn't be doing it to anyone. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like we kind of live in this world where like a guy can go in and make a joke about maybe like a fat girl and do you know what I mean? The scene if he can try and pull her for a joke. Do you know what I mean? Like and it's just not it just really isn't cool. And they yeah. kinda need to be named and shamed so they don't do this and don't think that it's okay. And like heaven forbid my relative in any sort of way this happened to you because Gosh, I'm a, just put me in the jail. Just, just, just finish That's what it. That's I'm saying. Just I think, it, man. I definitely agree with the point about naming and shaming because I think so often these cases get put to the side or people don't speak up because they feel embarrassed. So from that perspective, it's great that she did have the bravery to speak up and call him out 
there has to be an end point because yeah that's the only way that I would get on the after cussing and maybe possibly beating the child <laughs> my daughter then I wouldn't beat her I wouldn't but then maybe then I'd sit on the couch as support to say listen because my face would be set I would be crying I'd be like listen so and so Peter Joseph you, I'm coming, like, I'll be a warning on live on this morning, go out to National UK, so then everyone will know and look for him. That kind of thing. That's the only way I could be in there if I was, be, was able to threaten the guy <laughs> on national TV. I'd be on there because they'd be like, mum goes mad and punches <laughs> boy in the throat. In Amsterdam. <laughs> in Amsterdam, <laughs> yes. Okay, so I'm bringing it back to um, conspiracy theories because you know I love the auntie behaviour on WhatsApp and Facebook. Shout out to Nana. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Lee Ryan, that problematic man that was in um, Five, he has Blue. claimed... Sorry, oh, yeah, sorry, Blue. I haven't heard so I don't, for a long time. I, I, don't follow, I don't follow the English um, people. Blue, the boy blue. band Blue, the blue. white with the blonde hair. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Lee right. Ryan. He, he yeah. was the problematic one. I think he always comes out with random statements. When 9-11 went down, he was like, what about the whales? Why are we not thinking about the whales? Why is it focused on 9-11? He comes out with shit like that. So recently, he's um, like Kerry Hilson. Um, that 5G is linked to coronavirus, but also that he believes that the devil himself controls the government. Um, He posted a picture on his Instagram, two pictures side by side. One of the picture had, um, looked like a doctor because he had a glove on, he was injecting a hand. And in the other picture, it was an x-ray of the hand with a microchip in it. And he was saying how- He was saying how this is where the government's going. This is what's next. I wouldn't be surprised if we were chipped. However. (laughs) Sorry, can I just seriously, like seriously, we're practically chipped anyway because we carry our phones everywhere. What is the freaking difference? Like seriously, I just don't understand that. This crazy fear that people have that the government China controlled them. The government is controlling us. Yeah, that's, it's not a fear, it's the truth. What I mean is like in a way that it's either going to try and wipe out a particular group of people or race or whatever. They have wiped out races. <laughs> I, don't I, haven't finished. Finished. I haven't said my question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Okay, so my question is, do you think celebrities and influencers have a duty to keep their nonsense and their beliefs to themselves um yeah i think it's a matter of yes they should be responsible with what they're saying but if someone genuinely believes something and they don't think they're wrong and if if, if their whole trajectory has been they speak out they use social media and their platforms to talk about anything if you don't think you're wrong then you're going you shouldn't be restricted from from speaking however yes there are levels of nonsense that people need to control but also it's down to the recipient of the message or the follower of this celebrity to take it with a pinch of salt. There has to be, I guess, if like, like we, when we talked about on the last episode about remedies for getting better and think, or keeping ourselves healthy, we put in a lot of disclaimers that this is not a solution, it's not a cure. The maybe celebrities should preamble with, this is my opinion, 
do your own research every time they want to drop their version of facts about stuff. Yeah, I think that I would like it if they could back things up with facts more often. Do you know what I mean? Or have links yeah. or sources. But I also think that social media has allowed this to run rife. Do you know what I mean? And I think that, you know, Facebook is trying, I think, with the whole kind of like verification of source and that sort of thing. But if you look into it deeper and look at the companies that actually verify the sources of the material, then it gets a bit kind of grey. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. But I think there are a lot of celebrities who live in bubbles and a lot of influencers who live in complete bubbles. And they spread this message with, you know, a million people, maybe not Lee, I don't know how many followers he has. But, um, <laughs> But you know what I mean? They'll spread it with a lot of people. And, you know, the most vulnerable groups, it's not everybody, the most vulnerable people in those those groups can um believe them. It's just like this whole flat earth theory. Like what the fuck? <laughs> like seriously, can people just stop with this nonsense? No, 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 no. You guys are not flat earthers. Flat Earth. Oh, Flat Earth? Oh, come yeah. on. People need like, to get seriously. a grip. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> there, was, there was a lot in that. But my main point was, let's go all the way back to Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, As a Jesus Christ kept his message to himself, yeah? Because that wasn't the general population's consensus on what consciousness or spirituality or leading a good life was about. So he went totally against the grain of popular societal beliefs in his teaching. Mm -hmm. Let's move on a little bit further, 2,000 years along, and let's, let's mesh it to Kanye West. So Kanye, <laughs> Kanye West <laughs> says quite a few things over the years that mainstream society, like George Bush doesn't like black people, would vehemently disagree that that was factual. Black people were like, thank fuck somebody actually said this because this is what we've always thought. But again, to mainstream society, that was going against the grain. And if he wanted to stay in line with mainstream society, he would have kept his mouth shut. He said quite a few bits that go against mainstream society and also against black people now. But I think there's more, um, I have more respect for him for actually just speaking what's on his mind and not going along with groupthink. Remember, it was okay at one point for slavery. It was okay for colonialism. Like that was, it was okay to kill Jewish people. So going against mainstream society doesn't necessarily mean it's a conspiracy theory. You may just have your moral compass pointing in the correct direction but history and time have to catch up with where your mainstream your consciousness is going so if you keep your mouth shut then will other people come along with you is it not part of our collective responsibility to each other to sometimes say something that comes into your head that may not be in mainstream society's consciousness yet you may be 20 years ahead of the grain 20 years later, everybody's saying exactly what you were saying and they were calling you mad. But you had the foresight to know that actually I'm just running on a different dimension to mainstream society, but they're going to catch up to me because I planted the seed. Maybe okay. Lee Ryan <laughs> is a seed planter. 
Okay, I'll be here, please. <laughs> the fact Seriously, first of all, yeah, can we all operate in the same dimension? Can we disagree that? First of all, yeah. And then second, yeah, I'm sorry, but so many, ta so much has been done. You like, you used an example of Jesus. So much bad has been done in his name. It's unbelievable because it's so much has been justified. Slavery has been justified because of Jesus, yeah? Num and then Kanye, Kanye's, Kanye's just trying to get attention. Number, that's his prime, primary goal in life is to get and keep attention. He's the same as Wiley. That's all they're trying to do. So no, I don't agree to this whole, like, oh, because I'm saying something different, I should listen to you because you're in the future. No, bruv, you're here. You're right here. You're in this time. Yeah. Let's work as a society and respect each other. Of course, you can have a difference of opinion as long as it's based in fact. Do you know what I mean? This this is the problem that people like Kanye have a platform and he's saying wild things. People believe him. It's a disrespect. I just think Kanye just needs to, sorry, I'm quite passionate about that, but he just needs to sit down and shut up. Also as well, why do you always have to say something? Just write it down. If you feel, if you feel you've got a message, write it down, put it in a book, yeah, and just leave it. Not every, not every day, tell everybody. But anyway, yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm not even going to go into the Kanye thing because we all know that I've got a lot of time for Kanye. I feel sorry for him. He's a Gemini. I, that's not why I feel sorry for him. But, you know, he's already got this personality and he's bipolar. Let's not forget that the Brit is bipolar. Okay? Diagnosed. Diagnosed. In terms of celebrity making statements out there and voicing their opinions on things, historically, we have needed certain celebrities to move things along. If you look at the civil rights movement and stuff like that, you've got people like Muhammad Ali and all these other people who were highly involved in moving along the civil rights movement. And if they didn't, if Muhammad Ali and um, Marvin Gaye didn't come out and do and say certain things that they did. What they were saying was based on facts. But when Kanye originally came out after Katrina and said that, they don't care about us. Bush didn't even go down there at first. I'm not saying that he has not said a lot of crazy things. And I'm not also saying that a lot of these celebrities, sometimes they just do it for, for likes. And sometimes they do it to keep themselves relevant. But there are the few out there that when they're talking stuff, it does make sense. They're just shedding a light on points of view that people may not have thought about. And people may not, mainstream people may not be aware about. And they do have an obligation to do more than show fashion and shoes and lifestyle and cars. They do have an obligation to do that. I think so. I, I think so anyway. I agree. I don't think you can think you can police celebrities to not say anything about what they believe in. I do agree, however, let's have some substantial facts behind it so that at least, and I think add caveat that with, these are my thoughts, this is just my opinion, do your own research. They have to take responsibility for what they say because you can't just throw out wild statements and not have back up, not back them up because you do have a following that includes people who are vulnerable, who don't have the whole wits about them and they're very young and will act on what a celebrity says. So I definitely think there needs to be some responsibility. However, I agree that then some celebrities are challenging mindsets that the general sheeple um, don't think about. They move, you kind of move like kind of herdish. So celebrities are on a pedestal too, way too much. I was just going to say that um, to one of your points, I can't remember which one, but if you kind of take what people can just say what they want to say, like when Piers Morgan was saying that he identifies as a penguin, should we just take that? <laughs> like that's what it is. He's in the future, he's thinking in a different way, he's in a different dimension. I can't even remember what I was going to say now. Yeah, because I guess 
I'm just presuming that Piers's point was that I can identify as, as anything because it, that's out there, isn't it? That I can say now I'm a white woman and everybody just has to treat me as a white woman because I, I've said this. But actually having ideas that are not in the mainstream now and speaking on it, not just for celebrities, for normal people as well, I think sometimes you can gauge how important it is what you're thinking about, the way people are like, no, that's so ludicrous. Because we are in a bubble of groupthink and a lot of information that is that we have or the facts that we think are facts, they're given to us by institutions that we have been told hold the facts. So when you read a study and it's like, oh, these professors in the Oxford University or Cambridge University, blah, 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 we accept that somehow they are more learned than the thoughts that we already have running around in our minds. So actually, I would go more on how does it feel to myself than the facts that are given to me from an establishment. Do you feel free or do you feel caged in? Do you feel like you can you can do whatever you want or is it within the parameters of I can only do this because the government says this is okay? I would go with the person that's like I'm going down that I'm a Freemason way than somebody who's like I'm going to follow this because I will be locked up if I don't. That to me is like you are under a spell that has been cast by people that need to control you. Not that they need to control you to kill you but they are pushing you in a certain direction with your life. Someone like, what's her name, Candice, that um, American right wing or the MAGA yeah. Trump supporter. See, now she says, is a strong supporter of Trump. She's a strong Republican as a black woman. She says some wild things. However, sometimes when that argument is so against Trump, there's sometimes in amongst that, there are some things that possibly he's done which is just as similar to some of the other presidents. I'm using him just because he's the one that's most controversial. So sometimes when we're all caught up saying, oh, Trump's an arsehole, all this and all this and all this, in amongst that, it's about separating the, the vitriol from the actual facts that are presented. And actually, sometimes counter arguments help you make your even more informed decision whether, yes, absolutely Trump's a punk, <coughs> or actually this person who's not someone that I agree with has pre presented a point that actually I can see where they're coming from. So I do think we need the challenge of the establishment because they're not trustworthy either. So, history has shown that they're not trustworthy. So I don't mind people putting things into the air that make me think, even if I come back to my original thought and agree with the establishment, I want to be challenged as well. And it's not always the people that are of right mind or... You know what? I have a full freedom of speech. I just think that with Candace, she's been disputed in so many times that like she gets onto these panels. I know it's just an example. I'm just saying she gets onto these panels and she says things that are not. There's websites that just literally list out and dispute all of her facts. They do this with Trump as well, kind of thing. And that's the thing. It's like the repetition of lies. We're in a place where you, you can't even trust what's true. And this whole thing about, you know, having an alternative voice that is basically the theory that has been used in the US to create the situation that they're in. That people who think they haven't had a voice have been fed misinformation and it affects their behaviour. So it's like, as well as it can be thought provoking, and we have the privilege to have the thought, you know, have that dialogue even, do you know what I mean? Like, it can also be very dangerous when used in those kinds of ways. So I get what you're saying in terms of it can help you cement your own point if you're yeah. battling against someone. Yes, I get that. 
I understand that. If it's a fair fight, right? If it's a case of what you're saying is true and backed up with facts and what, I, what the other person is saying is true. Not just because you're popular, that you can just say whatever you want. And because you're popular, your opinion is more valid because you're popular. That's what I don't agree with. So, um, yeah, Lee, Lee Ryan has deleted his message on um, his <laughs> post on IG, on Instagram. And I guess that was because of um, damage control. Maybe he remembered his media training. <laughs> like Akua was saying, maybe people should share their beliefs, but with disclaimers. Because yeah. um, recently, well, not recently, there was last year, going back to influencers, a mummy blogger put her kid, dirty kids' trainers in the dishwasher because someone told her that you can clean your trainers like that. However, she shared this on her um, Instagram story. She put them in the dishwasher with dishes. So I was like, when I watched it, I was like, happening is this real life she did that and everyone's watching her because she's got thousands upon thousands of followers yeah so she's an influencer she's influencing if someone then got ill because they followed her is she liable if you are a celebrity or influencer or you're following these types of people you should definitely take them with a pinch of salt everything they say isn't gospel but i do think that when people hit certain amount of numbers in terms of their followings, I do think there should be some kind of mandatory media training because any type of person can have 100K followers and be spewing complete rubbish, like wash your kids' trainers with your dishes for all the dog poop to then cling to the, the, the dishes and poison you all. Yeah, she was shitting where she ate. <laughs> Literally! <laughs> That's it. Um, so mine, mine stays with celebrity culture, actually, um, my news story. It was an article that I saw from Arwa Madawi. I hope I said that right. Um, it was an article in The Guardian, and she said, the coronavirus crisis has exposed the ugly truth about celebrity culture and capitalism. And I think it's just an amalgamation of how people um, who are celebrities, whose obviously their, their lifestyle as they know it and the way that they make money has been completely changed. So they have to think of new ways to make money um, and stay relevant and stay visible. So we've seen anything from, you know, there's more lives, there's more, there's like DJ clash battles and celebrities are doing the most to stay relevant and to be a part of it. Also, there's the whole thing of, you know, celebrities telling people to stay inside, isolate. And then, you know, you've got someone like David Geffen, who's on, a, on his yacht. He's a billionaire or a millionaire and he's on his yacht self-isolating and passing on the message to his you know, us lowly people, yeah, make sure you stay home and self-isolate. So it's a mixture of being a part of the um, conversation and obviously using your influence to keep, to encourage people to stay at home and do the right thing, but also how they're making their money whilst in this situation. And I've seen some people criticise some celebrities for coming up for their ideas of how to make money, whether it's they're selling an ebook or they've dropped their prices, but they're still selling an ebook or they're saying, selling masterclasses or whatever they're doing. I think someone criticised Oprah for um, doing that interview with um, Idris and like, I don't know, they thought it was in bad taste and things like that. But at the end of the day, people have to keep move, keep it moving, keep their business moving. Do you think it's wrong that celebrities are finding ways <laughs> to make money out of this situation? Is it wrong? I think there's two separate things that you've put in one question there. I don't think it's wrong for anybody in this present climate to carry on with your business because 
nobody stops anybody's bills. So you still have bills to pay. You still have people that you need to pay as well. So your employees. So I, I think that's different. I've been noticing the celebrity backlash as to when they're preaching to the masses. So either you're um, like Pharrell and here's yeah. 150 million and then you're going to be like, guys, we need to all get together to help the NH to help the medical staff with their supply shortages. When he himself could sort it out himself, mm -hmm. like with a few million, or in, I'm sure there is a group chat that they're all in, five of his best friends could get together and sort out a, a large district in New York and, and supply them. It's things like that where it is slightly tone deaf that you're reaching out to people. Like, reach out to folks on your flipping WhatsApp or your text message mm. group. Don't do it through Twitter. I like that they're getting that pie in their faces. Like, actually, no, we're not going to listen to you carrying on this kind of char charity beg and bowl scenario. Like, now is not the time for that. But in terms of commerce, I think that's different. And also people just realising how needy celebrities are. Like that actual drive that gets them in front of millions, I guess this is now, we can see what that is, what, what was in them that drives them so salaciously to be in front of all of us. And again, it's a bit like, yeah, we're sick of that now. So this may change. The ones that will do well are the ones that were naturally giving like really in service to the people that was around them. So that is actually just going on live and having a chat, like Killer Mike, like just going on live every so often to talk to people, like just to connect, not sell them anything, not talk about his music. I just want to hear about your day because I want to talk to somebody else other than the people in my house. I think those celebrities are really going to do well out of this time than the ones that are sitting in their mansions talking about stay at home it's like yeah it's great for you when you have 30 rooms to mill about in but mm. i've only got three like so it's not so easy for me to just stay at home i think these are the the polls that we're, we're seeing but it's all good when things get shaken up i appreciate the people that are going out of their way selflessly the kids have been doing joe wick um, PE lessons so he is a I guess he's an influencer of some kind um, he's got a book and he has decided to do free PE lessons for kids on YouTube every Monday to Friday at nine o'clock and we've we've tuned in I don't know why I say we've tuned in we have tuned in but my kids are doing it I'm because I got stuff to do so the kids did PE with him but I, I like the fact he's gone out of his way to help he's doing something yeah it might raise his profile but initially he's basically doing something for the greater good which I appreciate and the money that he's making on YouTube he's actually using that money to go back into the NHS. So it's win-win. But any celebrity that's actually trying to just do this simply for themselves to raise their profile or get money for themselves, I'm not, it's not that time. I think it's hard to tell because if you have the Beehive versus the Navy, they're going to be like, oh, Beyonce's just doing it because she wants to be popular and she's not, you know, there's going to be that silly back and forth. So I think it's hard to tell who's really genuine because someone could present a whole, like I'm doing this for free, I'm giving my money back but ultimately the business thing is that you're staying relevant and afterwards you'll be remembered for doing good and people will follow you but there's nothing you, I mean obviously we could drill down and you'll never know who's doing what how genuine you just have to be what you respond to and feel is fair but I was going to say that Pharrell um, did come out and say that look 
it wasn't that he was trying to tell people what to do or preach to people. He has already donated because the backlash was like, why don't you donate your millions, blah, 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 blah. He said, I've already donated. I was just trying to inspire people to do the same if they can. I wasn't expecting people who can't to do so. So there's also this time of being careful of what you say, as we talked about before. Think about what you're saying and how it's going to be received. I agree with you, Nana, um, that they have to be able to make their money, but then also maybe they have to be prepared to receive some backlash if it doesn't look genuine. Yeah, it's all about being authentic, isn't it? I think people want people to be authentic. Just before the lockdown, I'm just going to say this quickly, there was, um, I think it was Aldi. They partnered with some bloggers and set them a challenge to do their grocery shopping for a week with a certain budget, which is all well and good. But everybody knew that these influencers that they chose were quite well off. They're like middle class, got their very nice central London pads. The controversy there was the, the hashtag that they were told to use, which was be poor for a day. So I think there's definitely, <laughs> there's definitely ways of doing things and there's definitely not ways of doing things. And I think it's all in the message and if you're being authentic. Because if you're not being authentic, I think people just see right through it. That reminds me of the Kendall Jenner, is it Kendall Jenner when she oh did the Coke God. advert? Oh. I just thought <laughs> yeah. the same thing. That's exactly what came into my mind as you said that. Yeah. 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 That was so bad. The Pepsi advert. Yeah, yeah. Pepsi. Mm. Pepsi, sorry. And on that note, hey, I'm Auntie Sarita and you're listening to Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for the aunties to fix up your lives. Aunties know best. Um, so I've got a dilemma that came straight into our inbox and it's from a man who would like to remain anonymous. So he's married with children. However, he's in a relationship with a work colleague. He's on lockdown with his wife and kids, but misses the other woman. Should he come clean and leave the wife now and possibly run the risk of giving the other woman corona? Or should he suck it up and use this time to work on his marriage? <laughs> Coronavirus! <laughs> Shit is real. Oh my God. We've got oh. real dilemmas coming into the inbox. Okay. People want us to fix their lives. Okay. There's so much in that. So much. Firstly, dirty bungle. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Secondly, oh, I mean, what does he mean giving the other woman coronavirus? Has he got coronavirus? Or is he just talking about being exposed, going outside? Uh, well, I guess if you leave your house, you're going to be, you might transfer germs. Oh, I see what you mean. It. I see what I you mean. Know. Okay. No, he should not leave his wife and kids unless he's at the stage where he feels like the relationship is over. I mean, I am not promoting extracurricular activities. As I said in my first thing is that he's a dutty bungle. He needs to relax himself and maybe use this time to get to know his family and work on his issues with his wife. And if he can't, then he needs to man up and be like, this is not working for me and move on. Because he's just hurting everyone in this scenario. Dutty bungle. Anyway. So let's say it's been like two weeks for him, yeah? And he's decided enough is enough. I'm thinking the fact that he's even asking after this dilemma, he knows I want out of my marriage and I want to be with my mistress. I would prefer as a wife that you just go about your business. I don't care if Corona, apocalypse, apocalypse <laughs> is happening outside. You need to just dust as soon as possible and we'll deal with it as we deal with it. If you get sick, you get sick. That's the Lord 
with his big hands on your head, giving you corona like that on your forehead. Like, yeah, I, I would want him to go. I think, bruv, leave. My thing is, he didn't say, I think in the letter, he didn't say that he was in love or anything. He just said he misses her. So this sounds to me typically as a man who's had his cake and his um, extra piece of dessert because it's like, I'm, does he just miss the sex and the freakiness and the creeping around and, the, and the, the thrill of cheating on his wife? Because he could then decide to leave his wife, go to the mistress, get the um, nookie and the, the fun that he thinks he's missing and then realise actually in all this, you know, in all this coronavirus madness, the world's gone to shit. I miss my wife, you know, I miss my kids. And then he's going to try and come back. Nah, he needs to chill, work it out with his wife, have that conversation. Really, does he really, really want to go? Is it, Corona's made everything intense. Everyone's emotions are like frantic. Next week, he might be like, you know what? It's not that, it's not that deep. My wife is amazing. So I think he needs to take time with himself and we'll have a conversation with himself and the Lord, mate. He needs to go. So I would actually advise him, if he wants advice as someone, go, just go, just leave, leave her. If you fuck up, that's with you. Rough. you're not coming back you're not coming back in <laughs> do you know what i mean so he just needs to go because he's cheating on her anyway do you know yeah. what i mean regardless of if he's if he's missing her now he's cheating he doesn't respect his home he doesn't respect his marriage so go and take the risk then you know have some respect for his family and make it easier for them leave now you're right because he has been cheating i kind of glossed over that part he has been cheating pre-corona lockdown what he needs to do is have a conversation with his wife and come clean and if that if there's something that could be rectified. I don't know if everyone's relationship is different. If there's something that the wife can see, like I understand where this happened or how this happened, if there's any reason that she can see it and they can work it out, that's, it's absolutely up to her how they solve it. But yeah, he first and foremost, come clean. And But if he makes that decision to leave, you're right. He ain't coming back. You can't leave and but, then come back. Sorry, if he wanted to work out with his wife, that would have been the question. He's missing his side piece. He needs to go. That's what's on the top of his mind. His <laughs> thing is not, oh, you know, I'm having conflicting feelings or I'm having, you know, I really feel bad for my wife and I really want to, like, try and solve this out. Or the woman, the other woman is trying to destroy my relationship and I'm trying to, like, solve things for my wife. No, no, no. You're thinking about your side, girl. Go, just go along, man. Get out. Get out of here. Don't Everyone. come back. Go. Devil's advocate, but we don't know at what stage in the relationship he is with his wife. They may have got to the point where they don't really have a traditional, you know, marriage. It might just be they're two people that live together and they're more friends than proper relationship. Because he didn't say that either. They might just be parenting and living with each other and being friends. They might not have an actual physical bond themselves anymore but that's what i'm saying then you need to have a conversation because it's it seems like the weight of frustration is the fact that he's been cheating on his missus so that's first and foremost the problem and then also he's missing the interaction he has with his mistress on the side where the middle point is tell your wife and then as Shade says go or tell your wife have a conversation and look at what the state of relationship has made you guys get to that point where he's dipping out doesn't excuse the wrongness but then we don't know how long they've been in the relationship kids are a factor like money mortgage all that type of stuff is the fact i guess in a marriage there are things to consider than just getting up and walking out think about whether you really do miss this woman or it's just because you're you're running away from the problems that's in your home personally i don't think it matters if you respect the sanctity of marriage yeah you wouldn't be doing those things anyway you've clearly demonstrated that you don't respect what you have at home all those other things they can be worked out. We as women sometimes, we're given that, oh, you know, let's talk it out, let's see. No, oh, get that's... the hell 
Right, so I don't really think that there's a right or wrong. Relationships go through their ups and downs and you step out, you step in, you fall in love, you fall out of love, whatever. The point is, he has already made a decision to step out of his marriage. So go all the way with it. Because what you're doing at the moment is halfway house. Mm. And that's a disease waiting to happen. Just go for everybody. I don't believe that you can really live with somebody, children included, and not feel that something is going on. So his wife is probably sitting there feeling like something is amiss in my marriage. On a human level, it's cool, you know, like you don't have to be bonded with somebody else in that way. You have your children in common. You can co-parent. But actually, find yourself, find your freedom. If it's with this woman, it's with this woman. Because at the moment, he's also blocking his wife's blessings. Because she could have a perfect man with her, but she's now with this dusty bungle in her house. (laughs) Like, this is my husband. Take your balls with you. Go about your business. By the way, I was not saying he hasn't done anything wrong and he should, like, they, she should take him back. I'm not saying that. But I just think that also there's that thing what we're saying that men get away with shit and women are always um, conceding or defaulting to their way. But they get away, like, he's going to up and leave. Whatever the situation, we don't know what this woman, what kind of woman he's leaving behind. I don't think he should be able to just get up and go. Talk to the woman that you're leaving behind as well. I, that's the part that I'm just trying to clarify that. And let her also have some ownership in how this is going to go as well because you are leaving a family setup where there's kids who are used to seeing dad every morning in theory and a situation in theory. I'm not saying she should concede to that at all and if he's like oh no yeah I'm sorry no it's not that but I'm just saying she has every right to also have that conversation because how dare you that's um yeah I was just gonna say everyone just needs to be honest in the situation so if he's feeling this and he's dealing with someone then let the wife know. Like you said, we don't know what's going on in their, their marriage. She could, they could have an open relationship. We don't know, whatever. But if she knew, then she's in charge of her own destiny and what happens next. At least give her the choice rather than keep everything secret. So, yeah, have a discussion, whatever, whatever. If it turns out that you don't need to be with the wife because she's not feeding it then go right so i have a dilemma it's actually a personal dilemma so this week my mum has decided to join facebook and she sent me a friend request she actually sent me and my husband a friend request i forgot to mention it to him about the friend request but my mum is currently sitting on in the request list i haven't accepted the the friend request so then Russell came to me and was like, your mum has joined Facebook. Can I accept her friend request? And I was like, you're on Facebook way more than I am. And you share some dodgy shit. So <laughs> she loves you. So I, I, if I was you, I would just keep her in your list. I think he actually did accept her because, you know, is the great the great guy so that's the dilemma is should i accept her and then also my mum is a proper conspiracy theorist she sends all oh. and she comments on on stuff like she will write a, a blurb on her thoughts when she's sharing it and she does like doing videos she does a little bit similar to tina Knowles. like have you seen beyonce's mum yes uh, corny jokes thing and can be quite embarrassing with it my mum can send through videos that she's made on her phone. She makes gifts as she's learning how her phone works. So all of that is probably going to end up onto Facebook. At the moment, it's all kept in WhatsApp world. 
but now it could be in Facebook land. What should I do? <laughs> Can I just say, your mum sounds great. <laughs> like, okay, so you can accept her and put her into a limited profile mm -hmm. so that she doesn't need to see everything that you put on there. My mum's on Facebook. She's been on Facebook for a few years and the woman's obsessed. I hardly ever go on Facebook. This woman is obsessed with Facebook. I'm glad she's not on Instagram because I use Instagram and I feel like if she was to friend request me on Instagram, I'd have to say no or divert her to some next page that I don't even ever use. The fact that your mum could put up videos on Facebook, no. I think I'd find that amusing. You see now, my mum, no way, I could not, I wouldn't accept her and I wouldn't, I'm glad that she's technically deficient. She's a very typical 70 something year old woman who is, who calls me and my daughter multiple times to do one action that we've told her how to do so many times. So I'm so, I, my mum could never be on social media the way, no, no, she couldn't follow me. Farah, your mum, I think I'm friends of your mum on one You are! Oh, yeah, but it's on the profile that I barely use. Back in the day, I had um, a white girl with a best friend and her mum's on my, my old school Facebook page. And because I'm quite militant, I sometimes wonder, like, I wonder what her mum thinks of the daughter, that you, of the you little girl that used to stay around her house and was best friends <laughs> with her daughter. I'm very milly. I don't hold back. So I do think about that. But um, don't tell her I said this. Oh, no, what? No, she won't request me. I don't. <laughs> Actually, I think your mum would appreciate my posts, but it's only when maybe if I swear a lot, I might be like, mm, I have to mute that or something. Limited profile, limited all the way. You, like, Nana, just, or do like a yeah, I think limited profile is the way to go. I really like Tina Knowles as well and her dodgy jokes. I really do. I find them very entertaining. It makes me laugh that she probably makes Beyonce and Jay-Z cringe every <laughs> yeah. day when she does them. And that, that brings me joy. Like, okay. really, she has so much personality because Beyonce seems so conservative. And her mum actually really seems quite fun. It's a bit like, where did you get this conservative restriction? I do think Beyonce is a wild chick behind closed doors or out of the limelight. When people accuse her of not being black, I, of like, you know, black cause, I believe, and from the things I've seen, I think she's blackety black. I think she will cuss. I think she'll swear. I think she'll be that friend. I think she's rowdy. I think she's got all that stuff in her. But she listened to Oprah, that one interview that when she was in her early days, Oprah said, don't put your business in, your, in the street. And Beyonce took that as gospel. It is funny the juxtaposition. What I do wonder is why Beyonce is so closed off. How come Mama Tina? And is it like at home, like Beyonce's like, okay, mum, no. Or <laughs> Tina's like, I'm your mama. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So I, I wonder that dynamic. I just don't know where that, it doesn't match up. But however, I don't think, I think Beyonce is just going to be Mama Tina in future years. I don't think she is as conservative as people assume. Anytime she has done or said anything, the press has manipulated it in some type of a way. Dream was online the other day, um, on live with someone, and he was having this discussion, I can't remember who it was, the Dream, the writer, singer guy, and they were talking about in Partition, um, there's a line that oh, Beyonce yeah. is getting a bit like saucy, and he said that Miss Tina told him off about the line, and he was like, I wish I could have told Miss Tina that wasn't even me that wrote that. That was Beyonce. Like, I would never say something like that. For Jay-Z to come and do me something, that was all Beyonce. Like, it's all about the media training, isn't it? She's obviously had media training. She knows what to say. She knows what to do. You have to, in that position. Mama Tina's not selling anything. She's not making the dodgy Destiny's Child outfits anymore. She doesn't have to do anything. She's literally Beyonce's mum. Beyonce has a role, she has a job, she needs to be media trained, she needs to say the right thing so people don't twist it. But then saying that, after everything we've just said, certain things that mum could say 
could impede on Beyonce's brand. And the video that she, I watched it, but I didn't watch it properly. So, and I was like, hold on, is Miss Tina High, is she advocating drinking, taking pills? So, and with me not watching it properly, I took away this soundbite, which was going to be my dilemma. And when I spoke, I think I spoke to Sade or someone, and he's like, no, this is the context. I was like, oh, okay. So there is, obviously, we love you going supersonic global. And then mum, you're going to have to be like, mum, you know you can't say that the world is full of 5G aliens and stuff like that because <laughs> it's going to make people stop buying my stuff. So can you please be quiet? That's telling your mum who birthed you, who raised you. I mean, who has that power? Mama will slap me before. I can't tell my mum nothing. I try, but she doesn't listen. Especially if she thinks she's cute. My mum thinks she's nice and she's clever. Like, she'll be like, no, this, this is what I think. I'm going to say it. And oh my God, my mum would lecture people. She'll go and, oh no, no, this is getting scary already. Really? what happens. My mum will go on people's posts and cuss or say, hey, you, oh, oh my God. Yeah, nah. Nana, good luck, man. She sent me the most random from nowhere. It's true. Coronavirus got the world put everyone in prison, God have mercy on us. Stay blessed. <laughs> I love what? it, stay blessed. From nowhere, from nowhere. I just woke up and so it's like, it's true. We weren't in convo. This is the type of thing. What do you do? You know whose mum is really funny? Um, like Clara Ampho. Yes. yes. Her mum. Yes. Um, that is just brilliant, man. Yes. I love that whole page and stuff. Like her mum rates her outfit basically，and constantly telling her to，you know，she would look nicer if it was a lot bit longer，less tight，in a different color，and then she does these like rows of fruit emojis，like stay，stay healthy，so funny。If I was on TV，like how Clara is，my mum would be constantly，that's too tight，
So one of the things that we were told to do is like, go and get a belt and put the belt on a door handle. Yeah. And carry on with yourself. And that belt will be used for you. Ain't no four year. I cannot imagine my, my daughter's six. She's going to be seven this year trying to run me in the house. I mean, okay, I don't have two children, so I don't understand sometimes about, but I've grown up in households with children, siblings and stuff like that. And you can't be running your parent. Like, what is that? And as for this man that's sleeping on her couch, criticizing her parenting skills and not doing anything, he needs to pick himself up and leave. Go to your yard. I might as well be on my own. If you are not here to help me, what's the point of you being here? And what are you showing to our children as well? You sitting down, not saying nothing, letting them get away with what they want to get away with. And then you want to tell me about myself. Pick yourself up. Go and have this corona quarantine in your own yard. Yeah? Don't come around here with your nonsense. That's my advice. Get him out and get a belt. <laughs> get him out and get a belt. <laughs> Can't get a belt nowadays. It's Didn't okay. say you have to use it. Just the threat. Uh, you just have to have it. Sometimes the threat of it is more than anything else. Because trust me, when we used to see that belt, we weren't doing nothing. We're staying in line. I am definitely not saying that you should lick your kids because I don't even hit my daughter. It's not even about that. But the threat that she might get hit, that helps. Get a belt. Get him out. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts? Okay, so I've got multiple children, multiples. I found that just keeping them busy and entertained makes them not argue as much. They're going to argue because they're kids and that's what they do. However, it's week four for us. The first two weeks, I just let them do whatever. It was constant arguing, constant. But I think at this time, kids appreciate schedules. They're used to going to school and things coming in and doing what they're supposed to do. So if she can maybe schedule some activities, even if it's them working together, you don't have to go all crazy and get the bite-sized um, curriculum out and set proper work, but just do something fun. Maybe get the kids to work together, um, set les lessons for each other, that kind of thing. As for the husband or my partner, yeah, I'm ignoring him. He can do whatever. And then when Corona's done and dusted, he can get out. Obviously, she needs to have a conversation with him because he shouldn't be criticising the way she's parenting if there's parenting together in front of the children anyway. Just a big no-no. They need to agree on the style that they're going to use to raise their children. And if they don't agree, then they've definitely got a fundamental problem. And then I agree with you, Farah. I don't think they have to have a strong conversation with her it's beneficial for him being there or it's more detrimental him being there. Do you know what I mean? Because having that constant criticism in front of the children is going to impact them in a negative way and that's not good. I would think I would need to know more about their relationship, to be honest, to say whether he should definitely stay. But if, if he can't hold his mouth or be in alignment, then he kind of probably really needs to go. And then with the kids, I agree. I think it's just about keeping them busy and changing up their activities and kind of like wearing them out. To a certain extent, which is a lot of effort and also maybe changing your approach and your thinking towards it. A lot of these types of things is about acceptance, accepting the kind of partner that you actually have. Do you know what I mean? Or the kind of, I don't know if they're actually together, are they actually together? So just to fill in some blanks, they've been together for over 10 years. It seems like from what I'm picking up, it might be like a childhood sweetheart thing. She says that he's not been any different. This has been their relationship. It's been one-sided. She's conceded a lot for him she said that family members keeps telling her that she must leave and she doesn't so it sounds like she's got an issue personally 
which is a, another thing we could discuss. You know, you mentioned that he's got brothers who are different in their child's life that's a comparison thing you can't be looking at other people and comparing in that sense do you know what I mean you have to accept the partner that you have you know no one can change because you want them to if they're not going to change for them they're not going to change yeah and you have to accept that and kind of really like make a decision and really move on otherwise you're just going to be the one suffering the whole time and it's going to be damaging to your children in the long run yeah I literally was thinking exactly the same thing. Really going through that situation step by step that she's in at the moment, she can't change any of the people in the house. So she can't change her children. As much as we think we have so much control over the other humans that we live with, especially when they're smaller than us, we can't. She now has to manage herself because the whole situation is she's not managing. So you're not actually managing your interactions with the people in your house. You're letting them run roughshod over everything and all you're doing is being in reaction mode. So you're reacting to their behaviour and you're deeming it as it's bad behaviour. But you're not actually doing anything to try and manage the situation so that it's running more effectively. And that is exactly planning your day so we can only go from our own point of view so i have to plan my day mm. my day will involve the moving parts of my children and my partner that are with me but if i go from my point of view how i plan my day how i want my day to run it will generally start to run like that when i'm going on i want my kids to actually be nice to each other what am i doing to facilitate that or help that along or make it nice to my eye that may not be what they find nice. They may want to fight each other. But if that's not what I want to see, I have to give them other activities so that fighting isn't in the day plan. Again, with my partner, if he's on the couch all the time and that bothers me, it may not bother him. He likes to put his legs up. But if that bothers me, then maybe I need to then start to create some types of interactions with him that is pleasing to me. If I can't do that, then maybe it's time I take my gaze elsewhere and find somebody else to occupy that seat that he has been sitting in. But I can't expect him to do all of it because he has his frame of mind. And if I want it to change, I need to change my frame of mind about it. I can't be there putting this on this person and he doesn't want to change. Maybe the change is he goes and I interact with my children in a different way with just me and my children. But the onus has to be on this woman. She has to con take control of her life and not give it all out there. Like these people need to sort themselves out and then I feel happy. It, that's just not how it works. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree. I think she's reacting from what I'm understanding. She's reacting to the pressure that's in the household. Instead of working out how to resolve this, she's lashing back and shouting and screaming and getting stressed and worked up because she just said, I feel frustrated all the time. I'm tired all the time. I feel taken advantage of. I just don't know what to do and how to do it. And it sounds like he needs to absolutely go. It's interesting you said that she should adapt, adapt her gaze away from focusing on changing him to what she wants out of life. And I think that's really key. What, what do you, woman, want out of life? What kind of future do you want? Because sitting there accepting this level of bullshit from someone who... The thing is, you've got a present father. And some men do feel like, well, I'm here. I'm in the house. So... <laughs> You know, I think actually, no, actually, sorry, let me read this bit. She said that he's actually said to her before, where's your dad? Because she said she's tried to bring it up time and time again. And he'll 
throw back stuff at her. During Corona, she said that she tried to have a conversation with him and he said, I'm stressed. Can't you see I'm stressed? And she's like, well, we're all in a situation. So he's got an answer for everything. And in one of those answers, and when she's kind of said, let's try and step up and work together to raise these kids together, he's like, well, you know what? Where's your dad? So then as if to say, justify the fact that he's in the, he's in the house. So he shouldn't really be criticised. So if he's just in the house, sitting down, not having an actual relationship with his children, not co-parenting, then what is the point of your be- you being there? That doesn't show your kids anything. And Nana, you're right. Like she has to decide what level of bullshit she's willing to take and rather than trying to change someone. And if he isn't going to change, then they need to have a discussion. At first, I didn't realise that they were still together because that's a bit more complicated in terms of him leaving and going somewhere else. But my thing is, my response to that would be that it's not about where my dad is, it's about where you're at with your children and the relationship and the memories that you make with them. I'm just going to add, like, I just think that um, there's so much pressure and expectation on women to put up with this. Like, if he's not actively cheating or you know hitting her and stuff like this situation should be manageable or like I think there's a lot of pressure for women to be it's not that bad so I can just deal with it do you know what I mean or there must be something wrong with me because I'm not handling it well and that sort of thing but I just think like I wish that pressure just wasn't there because I think that people would just make different choices they would have happier lives if you have a dilemma that you want us to resolve email us at dilemmas.youraunties.couldnever at gmail.com please remember although aunties know best all advice is anecdotal we are not experts please seek professional help where necessary hey i'm auntie nana you're listening to your aunties could never and now we're about to take you back when we reminisce so i was um on facebook and i was listening to the house gospel choir and you guys heard it they've done a their version of wookie's the battle and listening to that if anybody wants to find it it's just a brilliant rendition from a choir doing the battle but it really took me back to coliseum wow (laughs) spoonie used to play that track every single sunday so we used to go coliseum twice as nice religiously like we were going to church we were there every Sunday. <laughs> didn't miss it probably for a year straight we went every Sunday and yeah he would always play it so sometimes he would come on because he was generally the last DJ so he would play at the beginning of his set or he would end the night with the battle or brass to celebrate life so that became like my anthem just in my head so listening to it again like literally I did shed some tears as I was listening to the choir doing it it just took me back to that would probably be 1999 going raving and just thinking like life was so beautiful all i would think about was sunday in coliseum do you guys have any other raving experiences to share i'm with you on the coliseum we also went to coliseum like it was church and definitely remember the closing tunes my garage anthems first of all it's never going to let you go because that was the first tune as we transitioned out of jungle into garage being a thing, I was at first like, I'm not listening to garage, I'm a jungleist, not listening, I'm not listening. And then I heard for some reason, never gonna let you go. And then I was like, oh, this is not so bad. I had a little bit of a breakbeat that I thought, yeah, I can get into this. So that was my first garage anthem. And then it was Desire. And because that tune, there's something about it. And I had a dancing partner at Coliseum. At, actually, in, throughout garage, there was one guy that used to always dance with. We never did a thing, we never went out, we never did anything, but we just, had, we were, he was my raving partner, he was my raving boyfriend. 
every time we went out and it was desire that we always dance together with and destiny and i'm feeling high i'm feeling high I'm feeling high listen <laughs> that is my anthem and um girl it's your body the um johnny gill remix the which yeah. like girl it's your body it's about the breakbeat it's got like dun 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 dun, dun. that's <laughs> oh my god oh my god those height peak i mean i've got hip-hop anthems i've got jungle anthems but we're talking about garage those yeah man raving days garage coliseum excellent i really consider myself a raver like i rave stuff <laughs> like if i you know heaven forbid but if i die tomorrow i'd, I'd be pretty content because that that part of my life was it was full it was very full um we raved every day from like 10 rooms the gas club to yes. you know wherever like samantha's like yeah. every every time there was a pipe i was out I was just out, out, loved it, loved every minute of it. Love Garage, definitely a Garage baby. Um, there's too many tracks, to be honest, but the one that always makes me smile is probably Egypt in the morning, just because it's just like, um, you know, in the morning. That is just like such a feel-good, kind of like everyone singing, just always reminds me of like good times. I just wasn't into Garage at all. Like, I hated it. I hated it with every ounce of my being. I couldn't stand it. I was oh, frustrated yeah. and vexed every time because I was well into jungle. Like, I was a jungle list, yeah? So I love jungle. I was upset when it started to get rubbish. And then we tried to make the transition into garage and Demlot was feeling it. And I was standing, I was standing in Coliseum, like, is there another room? So there's one or two tracks that I like, but to do I, the whole going to it through this way, I feel like a granny because the whole going to it and listening to just that music for one night, I no, it's not for me. I understand why people liked it and you know why people still like it today, but that's not for me. I used to love jungle raving. I went raving from the age of about I don't know 15. I would go to raves like we'd go. I don't even know how I would find myself in these raves because no one ever had no car. But we'd be like in Stratford Rexon. I'm from yes. West, so like, how the hell did I end up in Stratford Rexon? Like, you know, the raves like Orange and stuff like that, where yep. you it would start at four o'clock in the morning and yep. finish. You come out and you have to have your glasses because it was just nuts. Like, just people around you and all those sort of things. Like voodoo magic, all yes. these raves. There were some great, amazing raves. Like we always went to every single rave, Jungle yep. Fever, every single venue. We had new clothes all the time. I don't know how I managed to do that at 15, 16, 17, 18. I don't know how I did that because I can't do that now. But I'm like you, I'm like you, Sade. I feel like I raved enough in my life that if I could never go to another rave again, I am satisfied that I raved my pants off. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. I did all the raving in my 20s. Garage Nation, yeah, I think I went to Coliseum twice, Chinese slippers, handkerchief top, I did all that. The days where we would go out and not really wear makeup, it'd be mascara and lipstick because you're going to sweat it out anyways. I did Malia, Iron Apple a couple of times, um, I think my tune is Gabriel, when yes. that comes on, I'm yes. like, if Words <laughs> and archangel love, and then yeah, when it just do, 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 do. yeah, that's my jam. And also, um, it's the way. Hold on now. Hold on now. That's a big deal. That's a 
that's a big tune, but that was that a jungle is. tune. Yeah, yeah. That was a jungle yeah. tune. Yeah. Yeah. I like it anyway, man. Uh, I don't mind. Uh, but like, I, like anyway. I need to... With, with garage and jungle, sometimes it would combine. It would be like house, garage, jungle. Yeah. There was like elements. Yeah. But yeah, it got towards the end. And I would be that person that would be falling asleep next to the speaker. I would just pass out. <laughs> so I don't even go out anymore. I can't understand how, like, you know, you get your girly holidays and you go out every single night. I cannot even do two nights in a row now. I'm like, no, dead to the world. I cannot. So, but yeah, I'm, I, we're I, still I doing that. Um, I can't do that. <laughs> I mean, I always wanted to count because me and Farah, we raved together. So we were in it together going to all the oranges. I, I feel sorry for this generation that don't have the clubs that stay open till six, seven, eight mm-hmm. in the morning. We had lock-in parties. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. after going to... Um, Coliseum, I think, I think it was after Coliseum, you go to Dutty Grays, it was Grazing Road, but we call it Dutty Grays, because it, yeah. like, it, it was not nice. Disgusting. It was, it was early hours of the morning, you go to the next part of the park, it can't have been because Coliseum was on a Sunday, so I don't know what rave it followed, I'm, someone will remind me, but whatever the case is, you go to the after party at Grays, and the thing with Grays, it was a dark, dingy room, but the music was like, because obviously Coliseum and stuff was commercial, you got the good tunes, but you had the commercial tunes. Graves would play the ones that you're hearing on the pirate radio stations. And it was dark, it was smoky. And people were, not me, I was a purist. I, I was a purist, but there were people beyond the, you know, on the drugs. And it was just grotty. However, you'd get your best like, and the music was so deep. So Dutty Graves was one of them, and Channel Club. And the whole thing of us getting up in the early hours of the morning to go raving in Leicester Square <laughs> at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, and then to come out at midday and then go to the McDonald's, which is now a Lego, by the way, in Leicester Square. <laughs> yes. All that kind of stuff, that, that, them history's there. Like, we, we ch- like, people be checking and checking each other in McDonald's at 12.30, and then that's when you'd make a decision. Where are we going? To the next party, or we're going to go home? And then I'd go home and not be able to talk to mum from like, mum, I've got to sleep. I am blatantly deaf in one ear because <laughs> of the jungle raves and the massive speakers and standing next to them. I remember finished, go- like you'd leave a rave and you'd go home and me and my friend would be like, can you hear the music? Can you hear the music? <laughs> yeah, that's a tune, listen, listen. And it's, it's ringing in your ears. Yeah. Oh my word, no, that's exactly, I was just thinking of, it was orange that would take place in Leicester Square and then you yeah, in the morning. finish it like really- about at midday or one o'clock or something and it would be right but even that a standard 10 till 6 rave and similarly I was like 15 16 going out and I wonder now how I was able to do that pay my ticket do an outfit and go on a night bus we would jump on a night bus with glasses on and walk down (laughs) hills to get home and it's just like I would never well I don't even go on transport now anyway but it's just I don't even know how I did where do I get the money from please somebody tell me where I got the money from to rave with one drink it was always a Malibu and coke that lasted me eight hours listen unless a dude bought you a drink and you know he was like your best friend (laughs) literally though I don't know how we did it because we, we were a crew. We like, so we had the South girls and the West girls. We don't know how we made it work. And I, don't, I remember getting in cabs. Don't understand how we had money for cabs. I don't, but someone, um, someone posted, I think it was Zena Tewitt, um, shout out Zena. She posted a picture of a Maximus flyer. Now, Maximus was in Leicester Square as well. I think it's where the, wow. where the Hagen Dars is, maybe now. Yeah. And that was, um, yeah. jung- it was, used to play a mix of music, jungle, hip hop, everything. So it'd be a nice mix. Music was wicked. The flyer said three pounds. Three pounds. The tickets were definitely cheaper, but and I know I remember going to concerts and buying tickets for twelve pounds and things like that. 
when you go to concerts up in Leicester Square and all those things at Hippodrome and things like that. So prices were definitely cheap. I wasn't working. So I don't know where the money came from, but we managed to make it work. We'd been, I remember going to like raves up in Birmingham. My friend, the only friend that drove at the time, making sure that she doesn't fall asleep at the wheel when we come going up there and coming back, all that type of stuff. We found ourselves in Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes. And I also I just have to say, I was a jungle dancer. Um, Alpha and Omega dance team, dance troupe. We were like the queens of the jungle days. So we used to dance for Jungle Fever and oh, what was the other one? There's Jungle Fever and the other big one, Roast. So we used to be official Roast dancers and we danced for Jungle Fever and we used to tend to come out when Brocky and Depp were playing sets. So we were fire and we had a routine. One main routine that people started doing back to us because we used to do it all the time, but that wasn't the point. We looked gangster on stage. Um, so yeah, that was like the highlight because we used to get VIP going and think we were nice and all that type of stuff, but yeah. Man. How were you going out at that young? How were you getting in? I left home at 15, so I was just doing whatever. Anyway, and me and my friends, we used to go to all the raves where it was free before four ten for girls, do you know what I mean? And we would save our money to buy champagne so we look hot <laughs> do you know what I mean? and stand on the speakers and dance that's what we used to do we used to get on the speakers and dance. Oh it was just such a freeing time like our motto was because we were going through so much hardship in our life it was just like dance out the demon that was it it was very therapeutic it wasn't really about meeting guys or anything like that it was just a very we need to cleanse ourselves in it you know what I mean or something I never had fake ID and I don't remember lying to get into places I think a lot of the race were our age group or were they not no, they Listen, they were not. They were just letting you in. They just didn't care at them times. They didn't care. We never got asked for ID. We never had to take ID. I remember like years later, and I'm talking maybe about 10 years later, I went to one rave in Hippodrome and they were like, can we see your ID? And I was like, hold on a minute. When I was 16 and I used to come here, you never used to ask me for my ID. Why are you asking me for my ID now? But yeah, like I, I totally agree with you. It wasn't about man in them times. It was just going out with the girls and just raving. And you didn't have to dress up and wear heels. Like you can dressing up with stretch jeans and a pair of trainers and a nice top. That was it. No, there was no need for no makeup. I don't even think I really drank in them days. I think I started drinking in my 20s. So it's not like I was, don't get me wrong, if like the man them had some champagne, I'd have a little something, but it's not like I was going to the bar and buying drinks. Dressing up came in with a garage rave. Jungle was trainers and stretch jeans and little tops and stuff like that. Garage, for some reason, introduced this kind of dress up, glam up thing. And that's when I remember when I first bought wedge heels and stuff like that, trying to model in high heels and not doing a good job of it because I've been raving in trainers for so long. I just had a thought, actually it was, it was garage raves that me uh, and my best friend Jessica went halves on buying a pair of Versace stretch jeans that we could share and so it would be like one way of it one rave the next one wore it in the next rave then she got a job so she was able to buy our second pair so that we could be in Versace jeans at the same time but that was like the beginnings of kind of going into designer wear it definitely was garage raves the designer wear was rampant in like j- jungle raves as well. Everyone's wearing them. Remember off keys and it was like the yeah. most off key pattern that you yeah. Versace and them things there. But it was it was you know people would be killing themselves to get name brands and leaving tags on your stuff. But and that was dilemmas. Hey, I'm Auntie Farah, and you're listening to your aunties could never. Almost time to wrap it up. But before we do, what has made you sad, mad, and glad? So what's made me sad is that. Lent still isn't over. Did my grocery run yesterday. 
I was so close to buying a packet of crisps. However, then I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to rebel. And I bought some vegetable crisps. But I got home and it all, you know, I calmed down and I didn't eat them. So I'm saving them. But however, I'm very sad that Lent isn't over because it needs to finish now because I've done no crisps, no chocolate, no sweets. And it's stressing me out. I'm mad because TV options are a little bit racist. I'm watching Netflix, Amazon and Disney. And looking at the whole catalogue, there's not a lot of stuff for a black woman my age to really get into. I mean, everyone's tastes are different, but just looking at the general offerings, there's not enough stuff for me. And Disney especially was very, very blatant. Like there's no, not enough black or ethnic programming on the Disney Plus selection. So that's made me mad. Got to do something about that. And what made me glad was that I got to see my mum yesterday because I bought her some groceries and took them round. And, and, but then it made me sad because I had to drop them at the door and I like stood far away and I was like, mummy. And um, she was like, daughter. And then she, we couldn't hug, we couldn't do anything. So it made me sad, but I was also glad to see my mummy because I haven't seen her for like two, three weeks. So in terms of making me sad, it finally happened, broken a nail. <gasps> no. So I'm very sad because there's no help for me now. It's all downhill from now, um, from here. Mad, similar Disney Channel, man. I've got Disney Plus. I got it and I got it early and it's pretty shit. That's the thing. And I'm, I'm not happy about it at all. And it was a year subscription and I really don't know why I've done it. I mean, it's not super, super expensive, but because I've got, you know, you've got multiple platforms now, it's just not worth the money. It really isn't. And I'm like a massive, you know, Marvel fan. And I thought, yeah, this would be cool, but no, it's just not. It's rubbish. So it seems I can get rid of that, I will. And then glad. I'm kind of like, I was like happy it was, uh, was the sun was shining today. And that's a bit lame, but it was just nice to have feel a little bit of heat through the window. Do you know what I mean? Um, small things at the moment. I'm mad as well at the Disney Plus thing because I jumped on that bandwagon so quickly. I thought, I'm home. This is going to be great. My daughter's going to love it. There's going to be so much for me to watch. And I've gone on it and I'm like, mm, yeah. And then I'm trying to figure out if it's just how I'm using it or, you know, because at the moment I'm having to stream it from my phone to my television because my TV hasn't upgraded to get that. So I'm having to do it that way. So I'm like, maybe it's just the stuff, how it shows up on my phone, but I'm just not finding much. I've watched like all the Thors. I've watched Black Panther. I'm going to do the Avengers and stuff like that. But I thought there would be so much more on there and there isn't as much as I had thought. And I'm with you. I'm like, mm. I just paid the straight 50 pound because it was on discount. So I just paid the, that for the year so I don't feel that bad if it was coming out of my account every month I'd be like this is annoying but yeah that's my mad and sad because I expected more my glad is that today or yesterday my IT coordinator hooked me up so now I have a big screen and a keyboard and a printer to work from home because working off my laptop screen was doing my head in and it's just like I can't see everything and I need to reconcile this against that and it was just too much and now I've got my screen and today I've got my emails down to five in my inbox and if you ask AK that just doesn't ever happen I've always got like 200 and something <laughs> so <laughs> that was good that's my glad that's made me glad too <laughs> <laughs> my sad mad glad for the day I'm add that I miss espresso um espresso martinis I really got into espresso martinis going out they just taste really good and they keep me awake because as I said I'm the type of person that will fall asleep on a night out I'm mad I don't have any espresso martini ingredients <laughs> or glasses so I can't make them at home um yeah so that's quite annoying 
Um, my glad, I'm glad Netflix has a new show which is called How to Fix a Drug Scandal. And I'm quite obsessed with all these kind of crime documentaries. And I pretend that I'm a detective and try to figure out what happens before they even say. So I'm looking forward to starting that. I'm sad that tomorrow it's my nephew's 18th birthday. And we are in two minds whether to go down to my mum and kind of have an outside celebration with the family so that we're outside communing with each other. So we two meters apart. Two meters apart, yeah. Proper social distancing, all of that jazz. Okay, government? So we'll have space. But um, yeah, so we'll probably do that. But yeah, it's just sad because it's his 18th and you only found 18 once and it's in this Vein. I'm really mad that the fabric shops are not open because I'm really missing fabric shopping. It's really annoying me. I know it's not an essential, but for some reason I feel like fabric shopping is an essential and at least one of them in London should be open or moody open, like just, I don't know. But yeah, that's making me mad. And I'm glad that on Sunday, Sunday the 5th, it's going to be 20 degrees in London. Mm. We're not allowed outside. You can go for a walk. I've got a garden. I've got a garden, so sorry. I've got a front bit. You've got a balcony, no? I've got a balcony, true. So how to get in contact with us? You can get in contact with me, Auntie Farah, by going to Instagram, and that is Productions 77 Catch me, Auntie AK, at The British Blacklist. Catch me, Auntie Nana, at Love Yaya on all the platforms. You can catch me, Auntie Sade, at Sade Salami. Hey, this is Auntie Sarita. You can catch me at... Hey, Sarita, that's H-E-Y-S-A-R-E-T-A. Hey, I'm Auntie Sade. You've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never, hosted by the British Blacklist Creative Network. Head over to SoundCloud, Apple and Spotify to listen back to our episodes. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. Follow Your Aunties Could Never on Insta at Your Aunties Could Never. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.